Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast, still home to the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. He sounded very sad. Uh, as I said at the top, we are still the number one ranked Boilers, even though we lost to Rutgers because the rankings only come out once a week. So we're hanging on to that as long as we can. We did get our first win as a number one ranked team today against NC State. We're obviously going to cover that game and the Rutgers game in more detail. But before we do that, Casey, I, I wanted to lighten the mood a little bit. So I've got a uh, Christmas themed question for you. I'm really excited because you really planned this question out, and I'm sure it's going to be a real big thinker. You think about it all day. Yes, I, it's it's something I keep a notebook on, I journal on it, and it's definitely not something I thought of roughly 45 seconds ago. So my question is this, Casey, as you travel home, I know you're going back to uh, Lafayette for Christmas because we talked about it last week uh, regarding the Waffle House Challenge. What food, it can be you know, like a, a main course or it can be a dessert are you most looking forward to eating that is going to be home cooked when you get home? Oh, home cooked. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause that, that really is like, to me, what the best part about going home is you get the meals that even if you copy the recipe from uh, a parent or a family member, you just never can do it as well as they can. Well, I'm excited that you have a family that's good at cooking. Um, <laughs> I guess my mother makes this like cheesy vegetable kind of soup. That's good. Uh, her meatballs are okay. Oh wow! One, one really hope two. your mom. Really hope your mom's not a listener. Eh, probably not. I mean, the meatballs <laughs> are good and the cheesy soup is good, uh, but like not not a cooking fam. Not okay. Like, That's fair. Like my okay, aunts well, then... got together and they were like, "Oh, we've got this cookbook," and I'm like, "Of what?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like family recipes, and I'm like, "Why?" You're like, "We have those." Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, then how about this? Uh, what is then a Christmas dessert that you enjoy or you know, you have to have during the Christmas season. Well, I was, I was going to, it's not holiday wise, but I'm going to say 
every time I go to Lafayette, there is one food I okay, and I try to get it the night of, the, and it's it's not particularly uh, great, but it does taste like okay, Pizza King pizza. Okay, it's pretty good. Is, I mean, I like Pizza King pizza. There was there were two Pizza Kings in Connorsville, which is where I grew up. Okay, uh, there was there was the uh, the North Side Pizza King and the South Side Pizza King. Was there a good one and a bad one, and you only ordered there from was. one? Yeah. There was a good good one and a bad one. Classic Pizza um, King. You know, there was uh, the Northside Pizza King, and then there was the Dirty Pizza King. That's really what we <laughs> called it. Uh, the Dirty Pizza King was more often where the high schoolers went to hang out um, after, you know, sporting events or after football games. But if you actually wanted to get the pizza, it was always the North Side Pizza King that you went to. Okay, that's right. See, so, I'm, not, I'm not a dessert guy, so that answer is that's just either. It's a it's a real big failing on your part. Yeah. Uh, personally, it's fine, but I don't know. Dessert's overrated. It it looks good on you know Great British Bake Off, but generally they're all just different forms of. Which is fine because sugar can be used <laughs> many different ways. So um you know for me uh, it's a little different because my birthday is also around Christmas. Oh. Um, so anytime we we go home for Christmas. Uh, see, you, you might learn this um, once you get married that often, you know, you will rotate where you go on Christmas Day. So this year we were at my in-laws on Christmas Day, um, and then next year we'll be at my family's house on Christmas Day. So that means we're going to be at my parents' house uh, on my birthday this year, mm-hmm. and my mom makes a delicious ice cream cake because, okay. um, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm – will be turning 36. Uh, anytime I come home and I'm there for my birthday, my mom always wants to know uh, what kind of cake I want. God bless her. Um, and same it's, answer it's been every the time, same cake. all 36 it's, years. It's been, the, it, it's been the same <laughs> cake for probably about 25 of those years. Okay. Um, so I'm really looking forward to eating some of this ice cream cake when I get uh, back to Lafayette. So uh, I'm really going to devour that. So uh, mom, if you're listening, I know you listen sometimes. Just remember, the peanut butter layer of the ice cream cake should be the biggest layer. So just keep There's that in mind. There's a layer of peanut butter in this. Well, There's no, it's ice cream peanut cake peanut and peanut butter? No, no. It's a peanut butter ice cream. Ah. So it's a there's a vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream, and a peanut butter ice cream. And it's got That's like insane. layers of chopped up like uh, graham crack, chocolate graham cracker and, and things like that. It's quite delicious. Okay. So um, that is what I'm looking for. When are you going to gonna be there? Uh, I get into Lafayette on the seventeenth. It's too early. You're gonna you're gonna beat me by like five days. Oh, so we'll see. I was gonna get there. some Mama Ledman cake, ice cream cake. Yeah, we're we're there from uh, the seventeenth to either the twenty first or twenty second, and then we go um, to see? my in laws after that. See, Ledman, just another day or two. Leave some outside. It'll be what? cold. I'll go grab it when I get in town. Like, I'll do that. I'll do that. You have been to their house before, <laughs> so you should know where it is. You should know where it is. So, well, you know, just because, again, you have – we tried this at Thanksgiving, and you have horrible Thanksgiving food t- opinions. Now it seems we got to chalk up Christmas food opinions to this. Uh, you know, is you got there terrible Christmas, Christmas food? Opinions. I don't – Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like there's Christmas cookies. There's homemade fudge. Uh, my my parents always make home my parents my my dad does not make homemade fudge. Uh, my mom makes homemade fudge. Um, and then of course anytime I come home, my mom makes my favorite cookies, which are oatmeal butterscotch, uh, just delicious. So she always has those around. Uh, there's a reason like every time I go home for Christmas, I tend to gain like three or four pounds because there's just desserts everywhere, and and I can't walk by them without like getting a cookie every time I'm in the kitchen. 
I mean, that's fair if they're there. Um, it, it sounds like a lovely time. It, it sounds is like a you will be time. full of holiday cheer and calories. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Good. all right. Uh, now that the fun part is out of the way, um, we've got some bad news, of course. Uh, the Purdue women's volleyball team, they advanced to the Elite Eight once again. Uh, they took on Pitt, and unfortunately, they lost 3-1. to one. They were in it, you know, in each set, really, uh, but they had some errors. They fell behind, and, you know, Pitt's a dang good team. Now they're in the Final Four, and Purdue Volleyball misses out on the next step once again. But, I mean, a great season for the team. Um, you know, they had their, their highest seed ever in the NCAA tournament, and they looked great out there doing it. Hopefully you were able to watch it on either ESPN Plus or ESPNU, depending on the game. Um, but, you know... Dave Shondell's got a got a great program. He's really built it, and so we don't expect a huge fall off next year. But they are losing quite a few uh, of their top players, so we will see what they do next year. But it, it it's really hard to see them see them lose, especially after they had that great comeback um, in the Sweet 16 to move on to the Elite Eight. Yeah, uh, kind of about cardiac boilers going on, and unfortunately, for some reason, the Elite Eight is just that giant wall that Purdue programs can't break through. I didn't yeah. get to watch the match uh, either of the other two because I don't know. ESPNU is different than ESPN plus ESPN three or yeah, whatever we're calling it now. Yeah. You know, with, you got to have every streaming service ever if you want to watch something. So uh, it's unfortunate that, it, you know, more people couldn't watch it. I wish it was on, you know, the regular ESPN or ESPN two considering, you know, the game was at four o'clock on um, a Friday. So you would think, that's great programming, ESPN, ESPN2, to have live get, sports on. You got to get that afternoon pizza show in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's on anymore. Oh, bummer. But uh, anyway, so we're, we're sad to see them out of the tournament, but obviously they had a great season. So kudos to that team and uh, Coach Shondell, and, and we hope to see him back next year reloaded and ready to go. So now on to the bulk of the podcast. We're going to spend a little bit of time on each game and then kind of talk about where we think we go from here. So first, obviously, Purdue was riding high after they received their number one ranking, and they were heading to Piscataway, New Jersey. And Casey, if I recall, when we recorded on Wednesday, you told me a couple things. You told me I shouldn't worry about I'm Ron ID Harper 11. Jr. You told me, I, told me I shouldn't uh, worry about Ron Harper Jr. and that Rutgers could not shoot. It turns out uh, both of those things turned out to be lies. So, Casey... Were you deliberately lying to me, or did uh, Purdue allow Rutgers to win? What what happened here? I lied to myself. I lied to the people. I lied to you. Went into that game with a lot of confidence, not worried at all. Even though I don't play the game and I should have no impact on any of the scores, my hubris is not helping. No, no. And, it, well, it's interesting because now we've lost to Rutgers four times in a row, which Pretty feels tired of gross. that. I, I remember gross. beating them by six. I, I just I don't I don't know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, and that we lost. Well, hold on, we lost in an arena named after a sandwich. I mean, that novelty is kind of over, right? It's like a smoothie arena and a arena about blimps. Yeah, but like Jersey Mike's, that's not even a good sandwich. I remember Jersey Mike's being okay. Yeah, it, exactly. It's an okay sandwich. I'm sure there's a Subway Field somewhere that's worse. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously. Ron Harper Jr. went absolutely out of his mind. Um, he was the one guy I was scared of. You know, that's why I asked you about him on Wednesday. And, of course, he had, I believe, um, you know, I think he hit four or five threes in the first half alone. Basically but, yeah. carried Rutgers in the, in the first half. Um, Purdue never truly looked comfortable. And then 
when Trevion Williams hit the go-ahead bucket with 3.4 seconds left. Uh, they gave the ball to Harper Jr. He took it just beyond half court. Uh, he kind of kind of shimmied, and Ethan Morton went by him. He had a wide-open look from, you know, just over I mean, you can't foul him. No, 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 absolutely not, absolutely not. But, I mean, um, he he shook Morton out of the way, so Morton was not, you know, in his line of sight. He Euro-stepped from half-court. Yeah, that's true. And and he just nailed it, nailed it at the buzzer. So uh, Purdue lost 70-68, to and the fans stormed the court as they should have, and they showed a replay of it during today's game, and you could just see the look of disgust on the Purdue players, and especially Jaden Ivey as he was walking back to the bench trying to avoid getting crushed. So it, it was a rough game to watch. Um, I thought Purdue just, just looked out of sorts the entire time. Casey, uh, what exactly did you see? Why was Purdue in this situation? First of all, it was one of the biggest gut punch losses that I've had as a fan. Yeah. Um, kind of funnily enough, uh, the next day I had to drive for work to Louisville. So I got to drive down the street that, you know, I walked to the arena on when we lost that Elite Eight game. Right. And obviously it doesn't feel like that because it's not over because we lost. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not the same, but. But it was definitely up there. And it, it it's not so much that it matters, just that that's the narrative now. We We had a chance, you know. Number one ranking for the first time. What do we do? We lose to Rutgers right away. Yeah. And predictably, our fans, other people's fans, you know, everyone's just gone crazy. And yeah, that game was just, it, it it would it's one thing to lose on a half court shot. That's that's bad luck. That's bad. It sucks. But we also didn't play well. You know, we were trailing in the first half. We trailed a lot of the game. We we consistently teams. It feels like the last couple games specifically that we've had to work harder to get good shots than other teams have had to work to get good shots against. Our defense has not been good. We're missing shots. Uh, we were 7-26 against Rutgers from three. They didn't light it up in terms of made three-pointers. They only made seven, but they took 14 yeah, but they of them. Shot, yeah, yeah, I would say they shot 50%, and yeah. coming into the game, weren't they at around 26%? Uh, yeah, it was. they were one of the worst shooting teams in the country, and... Yeah, so I mean, it was mostly doubled, Ron Harper. Nearly like, doubled their average. Yeah, and it was Ron Harper going. You know, he had five of the seven. So Ron Harper had a once in a lifetime game: thirty points, ten rebounds, uh, an assist, a seal. He was great. Uh, that fadeaway in the paints. Yeah, that was a great shot. Another monster shot, and he he just couldn't miss. And it just feels like when things get really tight and tough, we're the ones kind of on our heels, and we're the ones not quite forcing the action in the way that you want to see a team who is supposedly one of the best teams in the country. And we kind of know why it's happening, right? It's because I mean, our guard we? play is not good. Well, okay. I mean, I thought you meant like, I thought you were trying to be more specific. But yes, our guard play has been subpar the last two games. And as you always say on this very podcast, when you want to go far in March, when you want to go far in any college basketball season, your guard play is going to be paramount. And Purdue just simply hasn't had it. Yeah, it's it's concerning. And we're not we're not getting the performances in the other places we were. Caleb first. Uh, against Rutgers, I mean, just non-existent. Didn't play him in the second half. Yeah, only only played only played eight minutes. Didn't play at all. Trillion stat, just nothing. One personal yeah. foul. He had an eight trillion. Um, Isaiah Thompson, nothing. No points. Ethan Morton or uh, Eric Hunter Jr. Six points. He hit two threes. But we're getting to the point where the where Thompson and Hunter are by far our weakest link, and it really showed in Rutgers. Uh, they can't play against size. I, I don't know what. What's going on with Hunter's offense? He wasn't this bad as a freshman or sophomore. 
And... No, and I mean, it, he he was a extremely uh, high volume scorer in high school. I mean, he was one of the top scorers in the history of the state, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, uh, top ten all time. Played at a small school. Well, yes. Uh, I mean, of course that impacts it. But when you get to the top ten of everybody in in Indiana high school state history, there's clearly you've got offensive talent. Um, you may be playing against overmatched opponents, but the talent is there, especially when you're highly recruited and wind up at a D1 college. Yeah, and then add to it, I don't know what Brandon Newman's been doing for the last or two games. No. Uh, we're not going to talk too much yet about the game against North Carolina State, but against Rutgers, he's one of six from the field, one of five from three. He's not in rhythm. It, it it's We've seen this, you know, his first two seasons a little bit. It's like he doesn't know what's a good shot or when he's going to be open or not. It's just yeah. if he comes off and he catches and it's in his mind to shoot, he's going to shoot. Yeah, his his shot selection has has been pretty questionable. And it's fascinating because if you listen to the games, uh, or I'm sorry, if you watch the games and listen to the announcers, Newman is often talked about as the next great shooter. That, he is. Uh, I mean, I, you well, made no, this no, call. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's often talked about as the next great shooter on this Purdue team to follow, you know, the Ryan Smith, Ryan Klein, um, and then Dakota, and then, of course, after Sasha. And he may very well get there, and he's got a good percentage, but he he can't seem to do it consistently. And that has been a problem for a lot of shooters on Purdue's team in their younger years. Um, You know, uh, Sasha, even as, as a senior, has still had that problem. Now, Newman needs to be more consistent if he's ever going to be considered along with those names I just said. Uh, and right now he's not doing that. I'm, I'm not saying he can't be that player, but right now he's not showing it in games that, that actually matter. Yeah, he may I, do it against weaker opponents like Sasha has done in the past, but if he can't do it in games that matter, it, what does it really mean for the team, you know? Yeah, and there's definitely been a bit of that. He's, you know, shot 38% from three his first two seasons at a pretty high volume. I think the most frustrating part about with Newman, all those other shooters you mentioned, they're all a lot more limited in what they can do. Newman is really good at attacking the hoop. We've seen him be really good moving off the ball, catching it with some momentum and getting to the hoop. Yeah. I, I don't know why his default is when he's not shooting well to keep shooting. Go get an easy bucket. Find a layup. Get in some rhythm. Drop a basket, and all of a sudden that, that rim gets a little bigger. Yeah, get your confidence up a little bit. And we've just seen... He instead of him understanding or knowing this is his moment, it kind of feels like like he's trying to force everything to be his moment. He's like, oh, well, I've got this pump fake step back to the side three pointer in my arsenal. I practice. So I'm going to make that happen now. And that's just not like you got to be smarter. You have to use your advantages. And he just doesn't do a great job at that. Yeah, I mean, you I hate to throw out basketball cliches, but it seems with with Newman. Yes, I I love it. It's what I live you for. You are your father's uh, son. Newman seems to be in a position where he's not allowing the game to come to him. It's he knows he seems to know what he wants to do with the ball before he looks at what the defense is giving him. He's he's open for a second and he knows I can take this three right here, even though there may be an easier or better shot I can get or there may be a pass I can make uh, that may be a little better. So he he's taking shots that I don't think he should take. It's just staggering to see on on the heels of a game like today where Stevanovic won us his game by making a finger driving roll to the hoop, yeah, over a center at the rim. Why is it Newman doing that more? We know he has good touch at the rim with the right and left hand. Yeah. You know he's athletic and, and he's long. Do that. Yeah, Make them respect he's, that. 
he's definitely more athletic than Sasha. I mean, Sasha is a sne- like sneaky athletic. Like you look at him and you wouldn't expect him to be a D1 basketball player. Whereas Brandon You're Newman has the measure right now. No, 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 no. Yeah. Look at Sasha Stefanovic. I'm just saying, he looks like a guy you would find like bagging your groceries at like the grocery store. You wouldn't expect him to be a a D1 uh, basketball player on the number one ranked team. You whereas just say he's from whereas I honestly didn't even know where he was from. Uh, but I'm saying, but I'm saying like when you watch Newman play, he is quicker uh, than Sasha. He's faster. He's stronger. Um, you know, he's just got a bigger body than Sasha, and he doesn't seem to really be using it. He's He's acting like a finesse player when he can be, but he's also stronger and he can get himself to the rim. Yeah, in theory, it's just I, he doesn't feel the game well. And you can kind of see that he's out there thinking that's what you hope goes away with experience. And right now it has not. And, you know, part of the reason why he redshirted his freshman year is he didn't know how to run plays, didn't know how to run the offense. That just seems to be like the last the last key that kind of needs to go in place. So, um Moving on for to look at other players from this Rutgers game, um, you know, in addition to Caleb First only having those eight minutes and, and not playing in the second half, uh, Zach Eady only wound up with 16 minutes. Um, he did end up with 13 points, six rebounds, but I thought, I thought it's been a little overblown how how people's reaction to Eady has been. Well, I, I don't I think, think he's been bad. I don't think he's been bad, but I think expectations for Eady are so very high uh, because of what we've seen him do. And if you take the the NC State game and this Rutgers game uh, in back-to-back, he hasn't looked as good as he has um, in bigger games, and I think against better teams. And he also has started very slow. Um, He missed buckets at the start of the Rutgers game, and then I believe he missed two buckets at the start of the uh, NC State game today. And I think that puts a sour mood on, on people because when you have a guy who's as big and consistent as he is, you expect those buckets to just come easily. But uh, in the Rutgers game, I mean, Rutgers was just throwing bodies at Zach Eady, uh, trying to hack him, taking the ball away from him. And, and he just looked uh, a bit lost. He turned the ball over three times, but it honestly felt like more than that. I I mean, you could say it feels like more than that, but yeah, yeah, it's, but it was on the stat sheet. It wasn't. Everything he does is magnified because he's huge. But yes. he had three offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, he had 13 points in 16 minutes. He played well. He's not shooting the free throws as well. That's that's a problem. You want to you want him to stay at that 75 percent mark because he gets there so frequently. But especially against a team like Rutgers, they've played him before. When we're in Big Ten competition, those teams are familiar with. Him. They have a game plan. They have an idea how to attack. And it's a little bit that. And honestly. It just feels like bad luck right now because those are good looks. I trust him to make a lot of those shots because we've seen him do it. He was still five of eight in the game against Rutgers. He was good. He is Yeah, they still weren't good. bad shots. They weren't bad shots at all. They just they just didn't fall. In his aren't it, – it's not an Isaac Haas situation where you, like, want him to do something different. He's doing what you want. They're just slightly bouncing out. I, I believe in his trust – or in his touch, I think it's going to come back. He'll have some monster games coming around. And I thought he's rebounded the ball really well and he's defending the rim pretty well so i am mostly happy with his play it's just uh our offense is more dependent the worst our guards look the more we need trey out there because trey does guard them. yes that's that's and fair. i think that's the biggest and and the good thing about even if even if you're satisfied with how Edie is playing, the good thing about, you know, if his shots aren't falling or if he looks a little off, we've got a guy like Trevion Williams who we can bring off the bench. He played 24 minutes against Rutgers, wound up with 21 and 11. And 
he at times tried to take the game over, um, you know, and succeeded in taking the game over, uh, but he just couldn't will Purdue to a victory. I mean, he made that last shot. Tried. That was nice. Which was, I mean, it was a perfect possession. You, I guess not perfect because he left three seconds on the clock. That would have been <laughs> great. Uh, but, I mean, when when the game, uh, game was tied, right? No, were we down one at the point? Yeah, it had yeah. to have been because it was six down one. Yeah, so it was sixty-seven, sixty-six. Um, Rutgers was up by one, and then we we take the ball down, give it to Williams. He backs his guy down, gets the shot. I mean, just a beautiful look with just three seconds left on the clock. Purdue goes up by one. We all assume the game's over, and it's thanks to a great game from Trevion Williams. And then, like we talked about at the beginning, that that shot from. Ron Harper Jr., and then um, you lose the game. That's kind of the thing right now, right? Like, we can break this down player by player, and sure, that's a thing, and especially after the NC State thing. What happened on the court is real, but this is all a narrative right now. Yeah, because if if Ron Harper Jr. misses that shot, Purdue wins the game, and we're we're all frustrated maybe with how Purdue played, but we're sitting still undefeated. And they're still number one, and people will talk about this game as as a test, and oh, Purdue survived, and they found a way to win. But because of a a just over half court shot that they that they beat us on the buzzer, suddenly Purdue isn't very good. It's well, it's we a can't strange the thing. Pressure. Instead of we would just be oh, they're just getting adjusted to having a bullseye on their back. Right, right. They're you know like we said last week, you know that when you're number one, you get everybody's best shot, and that's what they'd be talking about. And they'd say Purdue survived the best shot uh, Rutgers had, the best game Rutgers played all year, and they walked away with a victory. And that's what number one teams do. Yeah, so it it hurts that a half a half court shot changes that. And but the thing is, we have we've blown some leads. Uh, we are we are showing where the weaknesses weren't. It didn't look like we had weaknesses the first couple games. We we yeah. beat really good opponents. Like we took down Villanova. We beat North Carolina. Our guards weren't a problem then. Thompson was shooting sixty no. percent. Hunter was barely playing. <laughs> yeah, that'll uh, that'll be key. But yeah, we we've got some of these guys on the fringes who are not not playing well right now, and they're not responding well to that pressure. That that's a concern. Uh, I don't know. Do, does the truth lie somewhere between what they were and what they are now? Uh, Absolutely, it does. And that's yep. sad. That's sad to realize because you're like, no, sky was the limit a week ago. Okay, that leads me to this question then. Is the sky no longer the limit? Do you no longer think that this is a team that can go all the way? No, I still – I let's go ahead and take a break now, and uh, we're going to talk about this North Carolina State game. Okay. And I, I think that's I'll be fair. able to touch on what I think this team is still capable of. All right, let's do that. We'll be be back right after this break. All right, and we are back. So as promised, we're now going to take a look at the game uh, that just finished a few hours ago this Sunday evening. Purdue, a 10-point victor over NC State. So, Casey, based on the score, 82-72, I assume Purdue had no trouble. Um, maybe the lead was bigger than that, and NC State kind of nipped away as we as we changed up some lineups. Is that about right? Is that about what happened? Absolutely. Number one, dominating, take care of business, didn't see anything else. All right, well, that about wraps it up here. Uh, <laughs> So, obviously, we are uh, joking. Purdue looked out of sorts for the majority of the game, um, really saved themselves at the end of the second half, and then played a really good overtime um, thanks to some what I thought was some bad officiating that went against NC State. But as a Purdue fan, we'll take it. Uh, certainly hurt them. But, Casey, this is now the, the second game in a row 
where, uh, to your point earlier, uh, the guards really let Purdue down. Um, I want to give you just a quick stat here, uh, some numbers. So uh, Isaiah Thompson played 16 minutes, zero points. Remember how you said I was wrong all offseason? Listen, listen. I can only work with the data that's in front of me, and up to that point, he was playing great. How are we feeling about that now? I'm chalking it up to he's still injured from when he uh, fell in that uh, game two games ago. Oh, did the bruise make him seven inches shorter? It did. It did. I don't know if you noticed. They had to actually give him a new leg. So he's working into that. Um, But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was like a bone bruise. Maybe maybe he's still working something out and he's trying to get through it. I, I, I have hope that he will turn things around and come back. Um, but obviously he's he's not been playing playing great. Um, and then you know you go with some other guards on the team. Brandon Newman only played eight minutes, uh, zero points, including zero for four uh, from three in those Bad eight minutes. Bad shots. Bad so, shots. Um, you know Eric Hunter Jr. twenty nine minutes only wound up with two points. And did you happen to see uh, what his dad tweeted? Yeah, and I mean he was exactly right. Hunter was god-awful for i don't think that was the i don't think those were the words he used he was god-awful for the first 38 minutes of the game and then he saved it in at the end in overtime i mean that's a that's a decent paraphrase but i don't think he said he had his worst game as a boilermaker that's yeah but i again i think god-awful is really not what uh, a father would say about his son i have the tweet in front of me he said Eric Hunter was probably having the, all capital letters, worst game of his career until he made those two key steals and a bailout layup. There, his dad said it so you all don't have to. Hashtag BTFU. So it's good that uh, his father is acknowledging, hey, I know my son's not playing well right now, uh, but to his credit, he did have uh, a great end of uh, the half there. Uh, to kind of help Purdue get back in this game. But the guard play lets down Purdue again. Um, I mean, what is it about the guard play that is failing Purdue so badly? We don't handle physicality well at all. Uh, And that goes for Thompson, Hunter, Sasha at a lot of times, Newman. uh, I mean, but, but all four of those players are so different from one another. What is it about the physicality that gets to all of them? So part of the problem is they're not that different. The the one person there's well, but I mean even 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 measurable wise. I mean Thompson is so much smaller than than Sasha, than Newman, uh, than Hunter. Um, I mean height is different, weight is different. I mean what is it about the physicality that just gets to them? Is it is it Thompson simply and Hunter can't make them? Thompson and Hunter can't make teams pay for it when the ball's in their hand. Uh, that's the biggest thing with those two. Uh, it's a little bit lack of size. Thompson, it's a lot lack of size. But neither of those guys can get by you, can get consistently break down a defense. So you defend those players differently because you're not scared of them ever burning you. The yeah, worst thing that yeah. happens is you get a bump foul. Um, the thing we've seen with Sasha is that he struggles with it, but he doesn't give up and he does do other things well. And we saw today he has expanded his game to take advantage of all that. You know, guys are going to run hard at him off screens. Uh, right, because and, they assume he's he's yeah. going to shoot when he gets the ball behind the three-point so line. So they're right on his hip because they know he can't give him any space. And he's done a pretty good job of that the last two seasons of 
just using that momentum and getting to the hoop, he tied the game doing exactly that when everyone there is just like, what is happening? And yeah, I think everybody was shocked. And like he, he does that semi-frequently. Like he's pretty good at it. He started to really add that to his game last season. And you're, you're just seeing he does have an answer. Obviously, his shot wasn't falling early. He didn't score until the last three minutes of the game. But he stayed in it. You know, I've consistently applauded his playmaking this year. He's been pretty good at that. And that's another... He feels the game well. He sees it well. Newman just settling for jumpers. That's why he's because he doesn't have he doesn't have great handle facing you up one on one. So he needs to attack the same way Sasha does, taking advantage of people trailing. But he's not as comfortable or willing to do that. So it's two different issues because you're not asking Sasha and Newman to run an offense. But but the problem with Thompson and Hunter, they barely can get into a set half. The- and you're not worried about anything else if you're defending them because at most they're just spot up shooters and that that's hard to run an offense. Yeah, and and one thing you've consistently harped on both on Twitter and in our group chat is the inability of our guards to really get into the offense quick enough because teams have been ever since the Iowa game have been throwing a not really a tough press, but like just a, a press to slow the game down to force Purdue yep. to work to get the ball past half court. And, you know, guys like Hunter and guys like Thompson haven't really found a way to break the press in a way that makes a team back off the press. We've not forced teams to pay for pressing us. And I know you have pushed for putting the ball in Jaden Ivey's hands in the backcourt and let him, you know, either break through a press or just kind of blow by guys because he is one of the most uh, athletic and the fastest guys on the court. So do you think that is something Painter's going to look at is taking the ball out of those guards' hands and giving it to Ivy to see what he can do if a team starts to press? I think you have to. I mean, Ivy is not a perfect player. Uh, He tries to do too much, turns over the ball still. Not as much as people think because it looks like he's more out of control than he is just because of his athleticism and he's so gangly. Right, right. Like if if it was you or I doing that, we'd be completely out of control. But for him, it's quite a bit different. Yeah. For as many decisions and plays he makes, he only had two turnovers in 40 minutes. That's that's not bad. He no, wasn't reckless. You live with uh, that every game. But you saw what could happen. Uh, there was a play where he was pressed. He got by his guy, got by the next guy, and all of a sudden, in a contested game, taking an inbounds pass, he's dunking the ball. You don't see that. In, I mean, that's against a set defense. He's just that much faster and more athletic. And if we are going to be the team... If we're going to be the number one team in the nation, if we're going to win national title, our ceiling has to be higher than Eric Hunter bringing the ball up or Isaiah yeah. Thompson bringing the ball up. That can't, we can't play offense for 20 seconds every time because we have to take eight seconds to get across midcourt, yeah. take a fake dribble in and then get back to get our sets. I'm glad yeah. we run sets. We should always run sets. We're good at that, but they should at least fear us a little bit. And you see it when Ivy brings the ball up, they're not as aggressive at the ball. They're not blocking everything the same way because they know he can hurt them. Yeah, um, he, he's a guy when the ball is in his hands, no matter where he's at on the court, he can find a way to make the opponent pay, whether that is using his speed and athleticism or, well, I guess still using his speed and athleticism, but finding the open man because oftentimes he will get the attention of two defenders. So, I mean... There there has to be something this Purdue team does differently against a press because while the turnovers are obviously always a problem when you get into a press, to me, the bigger problem is is what you just pointed out is it's taken us eight 
nine, sometimes even, you know, 10 seconds to get over the half court line. And then suddenly we've only got 20 seconds for our offense. And it's just, it's, it's a whole different, different offense when you have such little amount of time because our offense thrives in precision. And when you have to cut down how much time you have, you have fewer opportunities for the defense to make a mistake. And especially when you're running those offense with, you're not worried. Thompson is literally so small that you don't have to worry about him back cutting. <laughs> you, you don't like, he's not ever going to bring it to the hoop. Those are things you have to worry about. Hunter can make a layup. You know, Morton can make a layup. Ivy's there. He's going to dunk. You can't do those things with Thompson. That limits the threat that a defense is under. That's a problem. And if he's not going to hit jump shots, he becomes a total liability. And you know, he played 15 minutes tonight. That's probably more in line of what Purdue needs to be as good of a team as we want them to be. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, again, to your credit, that's what you said you would expect from him in the offseason preview. You said he'd be a guy who hopefully Purdue would throw out there 10 to 15 minutes. He'd hit some shots, um, you know, be maybe a bit of a leader on the floor and then go out because hopefully we had other guys who could do different things and could play more minutes and at the start of the year, it looked like you were completely wrong because he was shooting, like you said, 60% from three. Um, and now that he seems to have come back down to earth, uh, whether there's an injury or not, we don't know. But it, it seems like he has – I don't want to say regressed because it's only been a couple games, but he is back in that position that you thought he would be in the off season. Yeah, he's come back to the mean. Water finds its level. Yeah. Sometimes that doesn't mean it raises higher. Sometimes that means it settles down. But – I mean, we saw something. The most encouraging part about NC State today and a little bit of Rutgers game, we did see kind of an answer, and we haven't talked about him yet, and we should have because we love him. What, what have we found out, Ledman? Uh, Ethan Morton is good. He's a stud! <laughs> I mean, look, I've said this for about two years, and uh, I said it with very little evidence. I, it was The evidence was in my heart, and it, it seems like he can really handle the pressure and he really does know what he's doing. Uh, he's yeah, tall. yeah. I mean, his length really helps because when I mean, he you know he plays the guard position. He handles the ball well for someone of his height. And when you contrast, I mean, obviously um, Isaiah Thompson and he play play slightly different positions. But at the same time, with Painter's offense, those positions can often be uh, interchangeable. You know what also Morton can do? What's that? Pass. Yes. Can see when there's an open. When his best perimeter player is right next to him, open. That was it, was, was that a crack at Isaiah Thompson's height? Yeah, because as no, a short man, no, as a short man myself, no, I won't handle it. No, it's not. I don't care how short you are. You should be able to see that Ivy is wide open ahead of you in transition. Okay, that's fair. Which Thompson consistently misses his entire career. He does not make easy passes up the court to open guards on the wing. He just doesn't do it. He doesn't see it. The only things he thinks about when he has the ball is. Obvious passes away in a set or shooting. He has no vision or sense for the court. That's his number one detriment. He would be fine at his size if he had that instinct to make plays for other, and he just does not. And it so, nearly cost us bad because Ivy had a leak out left. Thompson has the ball. We're trying to gain momentum, and he just doesn't throw it there. Uh, it was when Ivy ended up missing a three that I think he had to pass to two other people, ended up in Morton's hands. Then Morton found Ivy still wide open. That's how oh, yes. open he you're, was. You're talking late in the second half. Yes. Right. So given given that we think Ethan Morton is playing well, the numbers seem to um, back us up. 24 minutes, 2-2 two two from the field goal, 2-2 two two from the free throw, 6 points, 2 assists, 1 rebound, played really good defense again. No turnovers. No turnovers. 
Um, what do uh, we plus what do minus we think? of twenty four plus twenty four, yeah, which is fantastic for those who who do not pay attention to plus minus. Uh, Casey, could you explain for those folks who don't know what plus minus is, what that shows? Yeah, there's a couple different types. This is just the bare minimum. What is the score when you enter the game? What is the score when you leave the game for the bench? And then it's just pretty much an accumulative uh, scoring to be like, okay, while you run the floor, you gain twenty four points. Right. So it's an imperfect measurement, but it certainly shows how your team plays when you're on the floor. Um, so given the fact that Morton played 24 minutes off the bench, what do you think his role is on this team and whose minutes is he going to be taking away going forward? Um, because he he's obviously seen his minutes rise these most uh, recent games. Well, it kind of speaks to Morton's weird kind of skill set. He's going to take minutes away from our two weakest spots right now, which is power forward where Caleb versus just vanished for the last two games. Mason Gillis played pretty well. Also yeah, nine, had I mean, some, nine, nine points, four rebounds. Also had some just mind boggling plays out there and wasn't. Just, I still don't fully trust Gillis. The jump shot's still not there for me. He was pretty good, but he's going to steal a couple minutes there. And then he's going to still, he's still, you know, kind of Ivy's backup, but he also can take some minutes from point guard. He pretty much can take minutes one through four, so I would expect Thompson's minutes to decline, Hunter's to decline a little, First and Gillis to decline a little, and he's going to play next to all those guys because the thing he does most is he's always moving. We saw it. Trey found him inside a couple different times, and he's always moving the ball. The the offense never looks bad when he's on the court. It's moving. Everything is moving. You know, when we have, like, uh, Hunter out there, some of our lineups – Hunter, Edie, some of these guys that aren't natural passers. I gave Thompson a lot of crap for being a bad passer because he doesn't have vision. Hunter doesn't know how to get past his places. It's weird. Uh, we watched it in the Rutgers game where he just had the wide open guy in the corner and threw it out of bounds. Yeah. There's something about his game. He doesn't sense it well enough to get to a spot where he can make the pass. So those two especially, they can stall out offenses. And when Morton's you know, on the court, it's just this kind of he cures a lot of those problems the same way Cherry Williams. So I would imagine we're going to see him closer to that 20 minute mark going throughout this. OK, now you mentioned Trevion Williams and it, we haven't really oh, mentioned him so far in boy. this regarding this UNC <laughs> blah, NC State game. And my goodness, did he have himself a ball game? That's you could a really bad, bad man. You could really see it in his face. Um, I can't remember the exact moment in the game, but right after he scored a bucket, the camera cut to him, and he just looked angry and was like, he's like, is I, am I the only one doing anything out here right now? He looked like he just wanted to be like, give me the ball and get out of my way. Uh, he wound up with 22 points. He had four blocks, two steals, 12 rebounds, and nine assists. One he was assist one shot. Assist away. It, you know, I know it's bad form, but if it were me on that floor, you know, Jaden Ivey had the ball across midcourt with about 10 seconds left in overtime to just let it wind down. If it was me, I would have yelled at Trey to get – well, I would have been like, get your butt over here. I'm going to pass you the ball. I'm going to run down there, and I, we're going to dunk it. Uh, <laughs> you're going to pass it to me. I'm going to get a dunk. It's going to give you a triple-double because you can't tell me they didn't know. I'm sure they had some sense of the idea. You know, there's big scoreboards all the way around there. Exactly. But, man, he just – that's National Player of the Year stuff. He's been on I mean, a tear. He he looked phenomenal in this game. 10 of 14 from the field. The only problem I had with him, free throws. 2 of 5. Uh, the team in general, only 17 yeah. out of 25. And at least 
at least three of those were front end of one and ones. So Purdue should have had at least three more uh, free throws, but they they just couldn't convert. And oh boy, those eight points, you know, ended up being pretty big. If they could have had those in the uh, in regulation, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation to go to overtime. And it was similar at Rutgers, a lot of missed free throws. Yeah. The thing with Trey Williams is there are these certain rare athletes that the tougher the game is, the better they play. The tougher the moment is, the better they play. And we just happen to have a king. Yeah, he he really seems just like locked in in the moment. I mean, obviously Purdue lost the Rutgers game, but you saw it in that game and you saw it especially. He wanted the ball on that last possession for Purdue. And really, I didn't have much doubt in my mind that once he got the ball, he was going to score. No, exactly. I mean, he came in like he came through both times and he did it, you know, and one and one overtime. He did it for the game. What should have been the game winner against Rutgers. It's just he has this skill set that is it's so impossible to defend him because either you have to be a very, very large human to bother him in the post. And if so, he's going to dribble by you. And if you're not a very tall person, you're going to get shot over constantly. Oh, well, we'll just send him help. Then. That's not going to work. He just had nine assists. Yeah, yeah. He's he's it's weird to say, but he's probably the best passer on the team, probably the best passer in the conference. So, it, I mean, one place that I can one play that I can remember that stood out. I mean, he got the ball either just in front of the three point line or at the three point line and basically made one move, took about two or three dribbles and was at the hoop with an easy bucket, uh, just went right around his man. And you don't expect your your guy playing center to be able to just put the ball on the floor from the three-point line and get to the hoop that easily. He hit a dude with a crossover hesitation into a hop step. Yeah. He's a center. Drew a foul and added and one from it. He does things on the floor that I I don't think I've ever seen a Purdue player do. Um, So as you mentioned, I mean, he did. He scored, obviously, the big bucket at Rutgers that didn't end up winning the game but really should have. And then with under a minute, you know, he made another jumper in this game. Purdue was down three, made a jumper to get it within one, also was fouled, hit the free throw to tie the game uh, with 51 seconds left. So without him, you know, we wouldn't have been in this spot. Of course, then Sasha did that uh, dribble uh, and and layup to, to tie the game again to head us into overtime. But can we just pause for one second and talk about the end of regulation and how it was one of the ugliest stretches of basketball I have ever seen. I understand. It, it's the right play call. Get your seven you mean, foot four guy yeah, yeah, yeah. one-on-one down to the post and throw it to him. You can't do that call without a timeout to set it. Well, and so for those that weren't able to watch the game, uh, there were roughly, I think, 2.7, 2.4 seconds left. Uh, Purdue had the ball uh, just beyond midcourt or just behind midcourt. And uh, we had both Trevion Williams and Zach Eady in the game. Eady was under the basket. Trevion was throwing the ball in because, as we just discussed, he is a great passer. Um, so the thinking you is – Drew Brees, just, though. <laughs> well, no, he can't – apparently can't throw it uh, all the way down the court. So with just over two seconds to go, the idea is you get Eady down there. He's taller than everyone. Uh, throw your arms up, get in the ball, and see if you can get a shot up. Um, Trevion just airballs the pass. Um, I mean, it goes way over Edie's head, out of bounds, which means NC State gets the ball on their side of the three-point line. Just, you can't do that. No, no. Especially, I mean, with that little time, you have to let it, you have to keep the ball inbound. Um, even if, even if 
NC State winds up with the ball, they're probably not going to get much of a shot off because there's going to be a bit of a scrum for the ball. Exactly. But then, but then NC State gets the ball on their side of the court with the same amount of time left. It's the ball sailed out of bounds. No time went off. They run a play to try to get the ball to the roughly the three-point line. The guy throws the ball off the inbound line. I mean, so he turns it over. So two turnovers, no time has gone off the clock, and then Purdue tries to run a different play. Nothing comes of it, but at least we got the ball in bounds. Like, that was just some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. It was bonkers. It was... I, I, it just seems so fitting that that dumb play was going to cost us a game. Right. And I was really worried. Yeah, me too. It, it, just, it wasn't close. The, the pass was five feet above yeah. Edie's extremely tall head. Yes. So yeah. It, yeah, I, <laughs> you saw Edie like turn when the pass went over. He's like, I don't think Edie just... was in the right spot because there's no reason you would post him up ahead of the free throw. Line. Yeah, I don't I don't think he was either, but. At the same time, you know, I mean, Trey could see where he was. He got to be so, able to yeah. touch it because, yeah, the worst thing that can happen is if you run no time off the clock and now they get it. I, I mean, they had an open guy in the corner. He missed a shot as they whistled. Yeah, that yeah. was just close to disaster. This is not a sharp. Yeah, so uh, I have one final question for you that we, we touched on before the break. Purdue has looked very bad these last two games. They come out of them. One win, one loss. They're obviously not going to be number one come Monday. Uh, it's likely probably to be Baylor, I would guess, um, after they just defeated Villanova today. But what do you think this Purdue team is capable of? Have you changed expectations? Um, because I know you know they were they were sky high these expectations in your mind, thinking this might be the team that Purdue gets not only to the Final Four but to the title game and and maybe wins one of those uh, NCAA titles I've heard so much about. So. Has it really changed your opinion? And if so, what what is your opinion of the of the expectations at this point? Not really, um, because I think the biggest problems we've had is with Thompson and Hunter. And then, you know, first it's kind of fallen off. We're no longer, we didn't get anything from him this week at all. Didn't score a point. I believe first is going to turn it around. Uh, I think he's still good. I think he's athletic, long. You know, Gillis is getting better as he gets more back into the fold and rotation. I think what we're seeing with Morton is encouraging enough that eventually that's going to take up the space of our disappointment with Thompson and Hunter because a lot of the things that plague us with Thompson and Hunter in, Morton can kind of help. And I want to see more of Ivy being given the keys to this offense and given given him a little more leeway and time to just kind of take over because I think that's where our ceiling is. It's Trey Williams being the best player on the court and Ivy elevating our guard play. That's still all possible. And we're watching Trey in close games and he's the best player in the country at it. So usually the reason why guards are so important uh, on top of the, you know, all 40 minute thing, but usually it's because you need a guard to take over at the end. We have that. And I think we have something in Trey that no one else in the country. So I still feel like we have that potential. We're definitely further than what it looked like. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, I think the potential is still there. I think as we talked about at the beginning, we're fighting against a narrative because if if Rutgers had missed that shot again, everybody would be speaking a whole lot differently about Purdue come Monday when these rankings come out. And I think it's been two games where Purdue has not looked their best, not looked their sharpest. And if if Morton can continue to look good. I do think it solves a lot of the problems, but we have to find more consistent shooting. Um, No one on the team has really shown that they can be a consistent shooter from long range. And that is worrisome. Are we really going to do Sasha like this? 
I mean, what do you mean? He's had two bad games in a row from from deep. Okay, and, two bad games in a row is not not a consistent shooter. I mean, when you've only had ten games, two games is. I, I'm not saying he can't be throughout uh, the season. I'm saying he's had two two of ten games. I and I don't have the other ones in front of me. It could be more than that. I mean, he um, was two of six this game. He hit two monster threes at the end of the game. Okay, but are you happy with our supposed best shooter going two for six from three? If he hits those shots, yes. It's going to have, like, it, the difference between no, 50% and not is one of them. I understand that, but you you can't just change stats to to make them fit a narrative. I mean, you're he, trying he to tell me that shots. two games is enough to call someone an inconsistent shooter. No. I'm saying you called you called You, you literally said listen, no one has shown themselves listen, to be a consistent shooter. Listen, you called Sasha an inconsistent shooter. Over the offseason when we did these previews, you said he does good against bad teams, but has struggled to be consistent against good teams. Is that correct? I don't remember. I mean, look, is that what the numbers said? He struggles against better teams. Everyone right? struggles against better teams. Okay, struggles more, but but not so much that you would point it out. Because Sasha, whether we like it or not, is known as a shooter. He is the best shooter on this Purdue team, and what we need him to do is hit shots. I know that sounds, you know, so basic and so uh, informative. You know, you need your shooter to hit shots. But the fact is, these are the games when Purdue is struggling, we need to have somebody who can make a big shot. And yes, we have Williams. And yes, we have Ivy. And Ivy has looked much better from three this year. I mean, but that's not, but Sasha that's not was the other record. guy making big shots. But we need him to do it consistently. Two of six is not what I want from my best shooter on the floor. Purdue basketball is not fun, this guy. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't fun. We had two games that were terrible to watch, a slog. Luckily, we came out one and one. And I think, thankfully, you know, for the players, obviously, but for the fans as well, there's not another game until Saturday. Yeah. And so Purdue gets a little bit of a break. It's not really a, it's a different kind of break for us fans because the players, of course, have to go back and take finals. Yeah, um, if they take them so. like they played games, <laughs> might be a couple players short. Yeah, so let's uh, let's hope everybody does Trey's well. Trey's out here with a 4.0 while everyone else is taking remedial class. Let's hope, let's hope everyone does well in their, you know, whatever majors they're in. I'm going to be honest, I don't pay attention. Uh, my wife will be mad that I don't know everyone's major. Uh, she cares deeply about that. She wants them to get good degrees. So There's less of those graphics now, right? Th- there's what? There's less of the graphics that show their major now, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it used to be, I mean, like, every free throw you would see that they're... Yeah. Yeah, I don't they don't really throw that up anymore. Um, but let's let's allow the fans and and the players to take a little break. Hopefully there's less anger uh, when we come back. You should have seen some of the takes coming into our mentions. Uh, somebody blamed a headband uh, for the team getting cocky, uh, you know, because Trevion was wearing a headband. I will I will note and I will not go into details, but there literally was someone in our mentioned who mentioned Hitler. Uh, it was Classic stuff. It was just it was a wild show in our mentions these last couple games. So just understand it's a game. Yes, we get into it. Yes, we get frustrated. But these are, you know, these are people going to school just like we all did at one point or another. They're they're working their butt off and we may be disappointed with them on the court, but they're still good people. They're still doing what they can. And you can be frustrated with the with the outcome, but don't be frustrated at the players as people. So just, you know, be a little bit better than that. That's all I'm asking. Uh, it's, it's it's always, I, I've never understood, like, you could tell a lot of people just haven't played sports or something because they, 
they are under this assumption that they could possibly care more than the people playing. Right. And that's yeah. always just been so like blindsided that I'm like, huh? Yeah, you hear that a lot about uh, about the players and the coaches. People are like, well, you know, Painter just needs to yell more and get into the refs. Right. It's like, don't you think he knows how this <laughs> is going? Don't you think he knows who these officials are and knows what might work and might not work? Uh, it's just astounding to me. I yeah, mean, like, even if they weren't super competitive and wanted to win everything, like a lot of these guys are playing for millions of dollars. Right. They are very invested. Yeah, they're they're committed. <laughs> um, much more so than the people who who tweet us and you can say uh, five minutes in, I'm out. I'm going to do yard work. <laughs> like, okay, man, I, that's good for wow, you. Shots I'm, to Kyle. <laughs> he did tweet that. That's fair. But I mean, you know, every every time Purdue goes down, we get people in our mentions who are like, "Can't believe they're doing this. I'm done. Not watching." It's like, okay. I mean, I don't. You don't have to tell me, man. Just turn the game off. I wasn't. I'm not gonna notice if you're not watching. I'm not gonna care. Uh, so I think we we need this break. We'll see where they they're ranked on Monday, and and we'll come back midweek and we'll talk about the next game against Butler. But hopefully the team can find a little energy and and recharge themselves because it looks like they need it. All right. So we are at the lowest point of our season so far. Hopefully it will also be the lowest point of the season at the end of the season. Yes. Where does this Purdue team finish this season? Uh, do you mean ranking wise or no? What do you, what do you, How does oh, their just, season end? Oh God! You want like do you actually? I want it. I think they make a Final Four. I still believe. Oh shit! He did. I still do. He I still did. do. I, so you're gonna make me throw my neck out on the line? What are you saying? I think we lose a national. Day. Oh my God! That's even worse than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for leaving us with that. Good God. Give me a little something other than that. Uh, is, is Are we going to at least maybe have a player of the year on the team? Something good? Uh, I mean, if we keep playing Trey, 30 uh, Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, thank you for bringing us down to end the podcast. <laughs> it's a national title game, baby. Got yeah, through the final a... four. Oh, God. All right. Well, I don't know how if I, I don't know if my psyche could handle that, but I we'll mean, see. I mean, you said we were going to lose a final four game. Technically, I only said we'd get to the final four. I didn't go beyond I, that. My question was, where are we ending the season? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You got me. All right. Well. On that depressing note, I think that's enough. We've rambled for long enough. We argued about Sasha Stefanovich for probably 10 minutes. Hopefully some of that doesn't wind up in the podcast. <laughs> All right. Giant beep in there. Yeah, just do it. All right. Well, for Casey and myself, thanks so much for listening. Let's try to get some rest. We'll come back at him next Saturday against Butler. Have a good day, everybody. Let's do this. <laughs>